Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 35 of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Andonisio, Tom Bradley, and Mark Clementi. And today we're joined by a special guest. It's good to have Scott here with us, Scott Markovich. Scott and I have known each other forever. Scott um, knows sports very well. He and I have been talking sports for a long, long time. Uh, we were actually neighbors on Berkshire mm-hmm. Drive in Monroeville. Shout out, Monroeville. Yep. Um, and, you know, Scott spent some time in radio with Tunch and Wolf. He now does some work for the Steelers. What are you doing on game days? So the the NFL for years and years uh, had us tracking which 22 players were in on each play uh, for contract purposes, bonus purposes. If Marquise Pouncey or Roethlisberger has a clause in their contract that says if they play 70% of the snaps, how do you know that they were actually in for 70% of the snaps? So we would count that. And then the last few years, um, we were doing something a little differently where we were actually helping the NFL – uh, track big plays, and this is where it gets real specific. Um, the NFL obviously is now tied into the gambling apps. Not tied in, but they're, they're, they're partners. Right, you know, yeah. Bet MGM. Mm-hmm. So what we would have to do is make sure that nobody could be sitting in a stadium and watching a game live and, and cheat. And here's how they would cheat. You'd see a big play, right. and you could do an in-game. The prop bet. Yep, the in-game mm-hmm. prop bet. Well, you'd be ahead of the TV. You'd be ahead mm-hmm. of the, the apps that have to put all that in um, if – if you're if you're sitting live at a game, and they could, mm. you could basically say, "Hey, I'll take the Steelers in the second half because um, you know Deontay Johnson just caught a 50 yard touchdown." Right. And right. so, what we would do is put that play in instantly, like as it's developing, and then send it to the league. It's it sounds complicated, but it was just easy data mm. input watching the game. Um, so, so it's it, real it's time. wild. Yeah, it's yeah. real time, so that yeah. they can't. And that gives you a sense for the yeah. big money NFL. You know, they have people doing these types of things. Yep. And tracking this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, so anyway, Scott's going to be with us today. Um, it's great to have him. And so we mentioned the Steelers, so why don't we start right there. Uh, another loss for the Steelers. I don't think anybody surprised. Everybody expected them to go down to Miami and lose. I think it was a, a lot closer than anyone expected. Um, Did Tom and, pick the Steelers last week? Do we, do we have that, Dad? No, he didn't. We, I think we all picked Why do you always bring it up yeah. when you think I'm wrong? <laughs> You don't ever. You don't I'm ever just throwing it out. I just want to make sure. No, we, we all picked pick the Dolphins. You made all year, and you, but you're going right. to take a shot at right. me. Eight and you're going to get your chance to fix here in a minute. But you know, we all picked the Dolphins. Okay. I think. I mean, no one expected yeah. Steelers to win that game. So there. All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, like I said, I don't. Think, the first half, I think was it was, you know, it was turning out the way everybody thought it was. Right. Miami's moving the ball down the field. Kudos to the defensive brain trust for yeah. quickly adjusting. And getting that under control and shutting down Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle, Gasecki uh, in the second half. Um, but as Tomlin said after the game, they also had opportunities for picks that went through their hands. I think that made a big difference in that game. And of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kenny Pickett and the interceptions there. So, uh, Scott, you're our guest. Why don't you lead us off? Give us your thoughts on the game. And sure. So I thought that what was impressive on on both sides. The Dolphins came out. I think they scripted their first 15 or 20 plays. And it was clear that once they went away from that, Tua, uh, his improvisational skills just aren't really there uh, off script. He's just more of, hey, see it, throw it, and whatever you see is what, you know, what they're telling you to do ahead of time is what you should do. Uh, again, I think it's a, yeah, really impressive the adjustment that the Steelers mm-hmm. made. I think that's something we've seen a, a ton of recently. So defensively, uh, hats off to them. I think they're just a, a pretty... Uh, Poorly constructed team. I mean, if you if you don't have the ability to run the ball, mm-hmm. um, and then you also you're going to ask Mitch Trubisky or Kenny Pickett to score enough points without a run game, that's tough. I'm, I have a real strong. So let's talk about that for a little bit. 
I've gone on record here with the podcast that I hated the Najee pick when it happened. You and I talked even today. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a horrible pick. I think you're seeing from him, he just doesn't understand how to play the position. His vision's not there. There's, I mean, he had one nice run. Mm-hmm. One nice run on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave you a glimpse into, oh, okay, we're going to see it now. And then, and then he jumps over a guy three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, what the hell are you doing? Make this guy miss. Make a move. And, mm-hmm. and I think we're seeing... He's got a very limited uh, repertoire when it comes to shiftiness, change of direction, anything like that. And listen, any way you cut it, people, oh, you can't say Jalen Warren's better. Why can't you? Why can't you say he's better? He's averaging more yards per carry behind the same offensive line running the same plays. Mm-hmm. So Very limited touches. Very limited touches, right, getting, but still. Yeah, the ones he's getting, mm-hmm. he's making kind. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with Scott – with the Tua thing in the first half, the scripted plays, he's not, like you said, improvisational. Right. You know, he, he's a first-read guy. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of the, you know, the RPO, and then he hit Waddle a couple times over the middle mm-hmm. of the field, and then the Steelers shut that down all of a sudden. So Austin did a great job of adjusting to what yep. Miami was doing offensively. They could barely move the ball, but again, the Steelers, what, are 31st in the league yep. in scoring? Mm-hmm. Or they're right behind the Bears. Well, the Bears are probably ahead of them now. So the Bears scored 32 yesterday. Yeah, so, yeah. so they could have the worst offense in the NFL at this point. Yeah, I mean, this is a game, again, that I thought that on the defensive side of the ball, minus the first quarter, they adjusted. And that's mm-hmm. a game that, to me, the defense did enough to win the game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and, again, you're, you're seeing you know what we talked about early on in this season – when you put Kenny Pickett in, um, this is what we were working towards. You know, is Kenny Pickett it, the best option to win a game week in and week out? No. But I think what the Steelers, I think, have seen now is that they need to make a decision and make sure they got Kenny Pickett right. So what I'm what I'm happy to see is he's getting his chances because, let's face it, they're staring down the gun of a top 10 pick. Um, from most draft things I've seen, they're talking about potentially five of the first 10 picks being quarterbacks this year. If that's the case, then you damn sure better be 100% positive that Kenny Pickett's your guy. If you're picking in the top 10 and you're not sure Kenny's there and you got a franchise quarterback staring you in the face, they're going to have one hell of a decision to make. So, so far, what I've seen from Kenny is exactly what I expect. You know, Matt Williamson, who I've quoted on here before, who I love and respect, I think he's a really good, breaks it down very simply. There's no, there's no opinion. There's no, I don't like you. I do like you guys. It's just, Basics, right? And off based on film, based what he on, sees film. on film, mm-hmm. and you know he's, you know, from what he's seeing and from what I see with my own two eyes is that Kenny's doing the things that you want to see, but nobody's ready. Everybody mm-hmm. talks about him being twenty four; he's NFL ready. Mm-hmm. Still, nobody's NFL ready to come right. into this. From no matter what no. you are, no, they're seeing defenses they've never seen before in their life. I mean, but, it, you know, it's going to take some time. Kenny's making the throws, doing the things. His decision making is what's lacking. Mm-hmm. You know. The two of those receptions or interceptions were bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But he's a rookie. It's his fourth game uh, in in his NFL career. And he's, and he's, you know, again, this guy didn't get practice reps until two weeks ago. So, I mean, you know, and, and he's dealing with one arm tied behind his back with the coordinator that I think that he has. Um, you know, Dan Orlovsky said this week that he honestly, not sarcastically, said, I think they're running 10 plays. Mm-hmm. That he that Kenny yeah. Pickett came from a more detailed offense and with Whipple, yeah. Than he did yeah. what he's dealing with now. So I think you, everything you have to see, you take with a grain of salt. Um, but you know, I, I, I wish that Kenny could have finished that Sunday night. That would have been yeah. a nice. That would have been huge. Yeah, you know, to be able to pull that yeah. off, I, I would have been nice to see. 
I think just from a couple of different perspectives, they know that they don't score a lot of points. So going into games, they seem to try to win it with some sort of old-fashioned uh, recipe of holding down on defense and maybe outscore them by one because I think they're averaging 14.5 points a game. <laughs> the thing that's tough for me is you have to tell your quarterback – because. I, I'm, no one can. T- I don't. I'm the biggest opponent of Canada. There is. I don't think he's uh, high enough level to be an NFL coordinator. I don't think he'll be hired to be another coordinator unless it's in the ACC or maybe in a mm-hmm. Big Twelve school. But you have to actually tell Kenny take shots. Got to take more shots downfield. I, I'm a big, big fan of Kenny Pickett. I think he can get into that sort of tier of uh, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, uh, and I think that's what you you can win playoff games mm-hmm. that way. But I think that there's a couple little pieces that are wrong. I think you can't have a left tackle as bad as Dan Moore is. I think that he can, be, if, you know, if you're the, the 25th best left tackle, that's okay. You can't have the 31st, 32nd best left tackle. That's a big problem. For and, I, and I'm disappointed. I really thought, was hoping that I thought he did okay last year. You know, for a fourth round mm-hmm. pick who wasn't coming in to be the starter, um, I thought he did pretty well last year. Um, overall, you know, overall, and this year it just. To me, he's taking a step back, and mm-hmm. and uh, I think if Kenny is the answer at the end of this year, and they have a top ten pick, like I think they're you need an ass kicker. Yeah, then you yeah. need and and really to me, either tackle would be mm-hmm. fine. Um, I still don't understand the Chooks thing. He came into this being a left tackle. Yeah. I don't know how he's nailed on as the right tackle. Why we can't move him or take a look right. at him even over mm-hmm. there? But I definitely think. If Kenny's the right guy, tackle and left tackle is going to be the guy that we're looking for. And I think that's what the rest of the season is going to be. I think throw away the record. You just want to see Kenny progress. You don't want to see him making the same mistakes twice, right? If he's in the situation that he was in on Sunday, hopefully he makes the right decision and runs the ball this time, right? That's what you want to see as we go on. And if we're seeing that, then there's hope for the future. But, Tommy, you're right. I mean, if you're not seeing him progress – and not, you know, if he's making the same mistakes over and over, then there's pause and, and there's reason for concern there. Well, and what, you know, I, it's it feels weird. I know we've only been doing this for a little time, but it still feels weird to say this out loud. But the the Steelers and the Pirates and what they're looking for this year aren't going to be the same, aren't going to be too much different. We talked about during Pirate season. At the end of the year, it was about writing guys' names in pen going forward, not pencil. And I really think we're at that same point now with the Steelers. Yeah, that's and especially point. on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. The offensive side of the ball is so young. Mm-hmm. But it's an opportunity now to say, okay, let's look at what we got here. It's great that they're young. It's great that they're all going to grow up potentially together. But what really do we have? Is Dan Moore a guy that we want here? Or are we mm-hmm. going to take we're going to take that off the table? Is James Daniel the real deal? Is Chooks mm-hmm. the guy that we want? Is Najee, for God's right. sakes, the guy that yeah. we want? You know, and you start writing these names in pen going forward to next year, and then, you know, you start filling it. Because don't forget, not only is there a chance to have a high draft pick for the first time, there's also, if I'm not mistaken, I third, I think I heard them say they're right now projected to have the most salary cap room in the NFL mm-hmm. next year going forward, too. So this is a big, even if this year turns out to be not a playoff year, which I don't see right. any way that yeah. that's going to happen, this is still a big year going forward for them to be able to get some things lined up so they can make the right decisions going forward. Yeah, so this week, let's talk briefly about what they have upcoming. They're going to Philadelphia to face what many people you know, say is the best team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're still undefeated. Um, Philadelphia, is a, you know, their offense is explosive. They can run the ball. Jalen Hurts can pass. I mean, they have some weapons now. 
Uh, defensively, we've heard I mean, their defensive line is stout. I mean, that's probably one of the best defensive lines in football. Secondary is really good. Their too. secondary is really good too. Um, yeah, this is you know I think at this point, like they did in Miami, just make it respectable, right? We don't want to see another Buffalo Bills debacle. We want a respectable football game. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair. It's it's absolutely fair to say. I, if the Steelers can't establish some kind of running game at some point. It's got. They got to alleviate some of the pressure off of Kenny being a rookie quarterback, especially playing really good defenses like Philadelphia. Going into Philadelphia, you know what that crowd's going to be like there. It's going to be hard to audible with the offensive line. It, it, they have to run the football, and they're not going to be a great running team this year. We, we listen. Zebra doesn't change its stripes. We're seven games into a season. Mm-hmm. This is who they are. But they they got to establish some kind of running game to take the pressure off Kenny, or you're going to see another game like the Buffalo Bills. Right. Yeah, is that is there any chance that the, uh, the World Series starts this weekend, right? Friday. Friday. It's not in Philadelphia, is it? No. no. So people right. are going to show up at the Eagle game? Yeah, yeah. okay, well, that's not going to be good. <laughs> I was hoping maybe they'd all yeah. look over here. Nice look over here. Right. No, yeah, no. no. Okay, no. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, strike me. correct me if I'm wrong, the Eagles' offense doesn't strike me as the Bills where they're going to throw up 60 points. They're more of a running, they're going to smash beat you over yeah. the head yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, they have a good offensive line. They're just going to beat you in a submission. That's what they want to the do. The one hope that you can have as a Steeler fan is that the Steelers are able to put the same kind of game plan. They've done better mm-hmm. to me stopping the run, you know, lately. Um, Larry Ogunjobi has stepped up, I think, a little bit. That run game, they, they've sort of gotten a, 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 at least better from where they were. Right. Yeah. There's so, some improvement there. For if sure. they can slow the Eagles' run game down and make Jalen Hurts throw, I think that will help. But it's all it, it still comes down to points. I mean, you're going to have to score 24 or 30 yeah. points to be competitive in this game. Do you think this offense can do it? And that's and it's what sucks is, and, and and I'm with everybody else. Matt Canada is just he ain't going anywhere. <laughs> so yeah. I, I I don't matter how much good Kenny plays or Najee plays or the line plays, you still to me you're going into every game with one arm tied behind your back, and I don't know how you win those battles. I really don't. The thing I've never understood about struggling offenses is this. Why don't they decide prior to the game on the third drive or on the fourth drive or pick any drive you want on that drive? We're going to go hurry up slash no huddle and we're going to change it up. The defense is not going to be able to substitute. We've got a package of plays we're going to run almost as a test in the game. And maybe there's some nuance to football where they they don't think that's going to work well or that they don't they want to be able to sub out running backs. I just don't understand why you can't give your offense a spark by doing something outside the box and. My one little thought on Canada from the Miami game is a real clear indication of how unimaginative he is. Is his most imaginative play was a reverse where the <laughs> right. the six Jet receiver, yeah, yeah, Gunner is yeah. running running across the formation. Yeah. Every defensive player for the Dolphins sees him. They obviously are going to look and see who's going to take the ball from him. And Claypool fights for a one-yard gain that probably could have been a five-yard loss. If that's his most imaginative, most outside-the-box play, that's, that's a true. good picture of who yeah. he is as a, as a coordinator. Well, it's a college it, play. It is. It's, yeah. a, it's a college play. play. And he doesn't set anything up, right? Yeah. So they run the toss to Najee that loses three yards. Well, go back to that, fake it, get the whole defense moving that direction, and, and run a little misdirection with Kenny. I mean, yeah. there's none of that. He does not run a play to set up another, ever. He's never done that. And I'm as casual a fan when it comes to that kind of stuff. I'm not sitting there watching the game trying to figure out the defenses and stuff. Right. But I can tell – that when you know Gunner and Miles Boykin come running into the game, <laughs> right. it's going to be a run. Yeah, I mean, and right. then they go away, and then the three wide receivers right. come in, and that's going to be a pass. I mean, yep. you shouldn't be able to tell that stuff as a casual fan. It's not even looking for it. 
you know, and, and that's just how basic. And they were showing some of the route trees today mm-hmm. that our wide receivers are running and stuff. And it's it's a joke. I mean, yeah. it really is. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, and it's just not steal away to, to fire a coach and see. It very rarely happens. I mean, the offensive Adrian Clem left, left last year in the middle of the season. That was on his own. He said, "I'm out," um, and took off. Well, but in terms of firing a coach, I don't. Tom has never done it. But I'll be honest. Much like we talked about with the Trubisky switch at the Jets game. That became the the the, the crowd. The mm-hmm. the noise was so overwhelming that for Trubisky, no matter what he did, mm-hmm. he could have cured cancer in the second quarter of that mm-hmm. game, and the next incompletion he would have gotten booed. And there was so much heat and so much negativity that he didn't have a choice, in my opinion. And we talked about that when he did it. I really think we're getting to the same point with Canada. That everything it is literally suffocating this team. The players have to talk about it. The coaches have to talk about it. I think like 15 of the first 18 questions today at the press conference were right, about, about Canada yeah, right. or trying to talk around getting an answer on Canada. Well, how do you not design more plays for Pickens? I mean, that dude is dynamic as they come. He catches everything within a 10-foot radius. He contorts his, bodies, his body in a way I've never seen before for a wide receiver. How do you not design more play? Like, great example was against Miami, right? Miami's game plan obviously was Howard was going to stay with him wherever he went, and that's what he did. So how do you not scheme something? Move him to the inside, put him in the slot. Yeah, you got to get him off of right? Howard. Yeah, Howard's get him off of Howard somehow, some way. That's their best defensive back, obviously. And they said, okay, we're going to take him out of the game. And aside from what he four receptions, mm-hmm. they were able to do that. But you have to, as an offensive coordinator, be able to say, okay, this is what we're going to do to get this guy the ball. This guy is a special, special The only talent. time he wasn't lined up on him was the fade. Yeah, the fade, right. And they took advantage of it. So, yeah, I mean, I would think, you know, he can't even do that. I think in the, the last five years of the NFL, everyone can see that rookie receivers can absolutely dominate. Justin Jefferson has like 600 more yards than Jerry Rice did through this point in their careers. Jamar Chase had 1,800 yards. Justin Jefferson's been, what, 15 touchdowns last year. I think I just said his name for a second ago. Um, so there's a lot of these guys. Chris Olave of, yeah. of the Saints yeah. is like third or fourth in the league in receiving, throw, being thrown to by Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. Uh, so these other teams are finding ways to let rookie receivers dominate, and the Steelers are still stuck in this sort of 1997 to 04 era yeah a, a special talent like pickens and like i said he's not really a second round pick i mean had he not been injured at georgia he would have been a first he probably would have been the first receiver taken off the board um and you're right scott i mean the receivers today are different than when we were growing up they didn't play in pro style offenses when they came out of college so it used to take them a year a two year or a second year to get in the swing of things now you see these guys come right out of college like you said chase uh, Olave, I mean, he, well, before Zach Wilson came back to the Jets, but Garrett Wilson was playing well. There's so many rookie receivers catching balls, and they, you, like you said, they can't find a way to get George Pickens the ball, and, and that's frustrating to see. Yeah, and what even more frustrating, getting back again, I hate to talk about Canada all the time, is on a normal situation and a normal team, our first instinct would probably say, pick it. you got to get him the ball. But unfortunately, in this scenario, what's our first thought? The Canada, this has got to be a Canada prob that he's, you know, that he's, and they showed his route trees where he basically is lining up and running a fly pattern every time. That's it. That's his, that's all he does. Yeah. You know? and, and, and you want to talk, there's nothing more easy. I mean, Howard's got to be out there laughing like, okay, we're doing this again. Yeah. We're just going to, all just right, gonna I'll, run just, with you. I'll just run down there with you. No problem. 
But that's my frustration with this is that, and that's my also my concern with trying to judge Pickett. You know, you want to make sure you get Pickett right, but you also in one side it's kind of thinking, okay, is this the quarterback? Is this the plays? Is this always got to work with? I mean, we know what are you going to do? Yeah, you'd like to see them have a couple easy go-to plays that that they know uh, that they can get seven, eight, nine yards. They have a lot of these little strange, um, the little shovel to the tight end that either gain two or four. There's just they they might have like like you said earlier about Dan Orlovsky mentioning they might just have too small of a playbook, which is a wild thing to hear, you know, in the modern NFL. Well, that's what we talked about, Scott, a couple weeks ago on the podcast where. Matt Canada, all you need to know about Matt Canada was in, in Kenny Pickett's first start, his he had all week to prepare what his first play was going to be, and his first play was a rollout one-yard pass to Derek Watt, who I think was his first catch with the order. Probably his only catch. Yeah, so that's what I mean. And that just, to me, you just have to shake your head like, you know, what, what are we dealing with here? So... All right, let's talk, branch out from the Steelers a little bit, and I just want to take a macro look at the NFL right now. Because I think if you let's look at the division leaders, you have the Bills and the Jets in the AFC East, five and one and five and two respectively. Steelers, AFC North, the Ravens and Bengals are at four and three. AFC South, you have Tennessee at four and two. The AFC West, Kansas City at five and two. Switching to the NFC, you have the Eagles and the Giants, AFC East at six and zero oh and six and one respectively. The Vikings in the North, five and one. The NFC South. Michael, uh, Bucks and Falcons tied for first place at three and four, and then the Seahawks leading the NFC West at four and three. To me, I look at this and say the, the parity is definitely there. You're seeing it with the fours and four and threes that on top of the division three and four in some cases. Um, and I look at it and say, okay, why are we even playing the season? It's going to be the Bills and Chiefs in the AFC Championship, right? And the Eagles and whoever else in the NFC. I mean, it doesn't. Does it really matter? I, I just think the quality of football this year has been down. I mean, to watch, I mean, nobody watched more NFL than I used to. Last week, I I went over to my sister's house. I didn't even right. watch any games. I forgot the Steelers were playing at eight twenty. I luckily right. I taped it and I watched it on Monday because I knew we right. were doing the podcast. Otherwise, I probably would have just deleted it. Uh, it. It's it's a hard product to watch right now. And why do you think that is? I don't know if the defenses are catching up to the offenses. Scott, do you think that that might be a case? I think there's a new trend also because we're such a media-driven society and in front of the camera. I think there's been a lot of coaches hired not based on merit but based on how they'll do in the interview process or I'm sorry, how they'll also do in the, the press conference and how they'll fare. There's a couple that I think are I haven't quite been exposed. I've been lucky not to. I think Kevin Stefanski and, and the Brandon Staley out in uh, Los Angeles. The this idea that you never want to take the three points. You always want to go on fourth down. And there are look what Mike, Mike McDaniel, McDaniel did. Yeah, the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, and he's another one just like that. He's an analytics guy. Yeah, it's not a field offensive guy, and they haven't scored twenty points other than they haven't scored twenty points in, in the last five games now. It's. I think that's that's an issue, and I think there's teams that are winning though. The old school way. One one you mentioned was Mike Vrabel in Tennessee. That might be a bottom seven roster in the league, and they've won four straight games because he's just a really really talented coach. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean the NFL wants parity. They want everybody to be, you know, sort of in that, you know, so that every game everybody's in the hunt. Every, ratings go up. It's competitive. Everybody has a chance. Right. Um, I mean, even the Steelers. I mean, you know, they're going to be most likely two and six, mm-hmm. um, but their second half schedule is going to get them right back into the seven and ten, eight and nine kind of conversation. I think 
if there's a healthy TJ Watt uh, and Kenny starts to play better, they're going to get on a run because their schedule's not very hard in the, in the back on the second half of it. So that's what I, I, the NFL wants teams that are seven, 10 and seven to seven and 10 because everybody's in it, everybody's got a shot, and there's no clunker. Game. Every, every game's got meaning in it, you know? So. Can we get rid of the Thursday night games? Oh, for God's they're, sake. They're awful. Yeah. The quality of football is awful. It's just terrible. I mean, yeah. how can the NFL say they care about player safety? We really haven't delved much into this. How can they say player safety matters when they're having them play four, four days after the last game? Yeah, there's still money to be made if they restructured it and everybody playing on a Thursday night was a team that hadn't played the previous right. week. Uh, you'd have to do something creative maybe in the first two, three weeks. But nobody would complain if you're seeing two teams that didn't play on Sunday coming off of a longer longer rest and playing playing on a Thursday night. Or you could do the opposite and nobody – no, yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. you never play Thursday. Well, you Sunday could have night. a bye every week, right, even mm-hmm. starting in week one, and then you play Thursday to next week. So you're right. Everybody could have that long break in the quality of football. But that three days and then you play, I mean, you see the quality of the games. They're just terrible. And there's a part of it that people don't see. The teams that play on the road Thursday night are at an extreme disadvantage. Mm-hmm. You have three days to prepare, but one of those days you're flying on a plane and checking into a hotel and putting your bags in your hotel room. So it's it's like a point. I don't know if it's a point and a half, but it's a point disadvantage minimal, I would think, to that road team. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I get it. You know, the NFL's king, and they want to have it. You know, part of it is is what you talked about earlier was gambling. They want to have another night where they're the sole, you know, sole eyes on it and things like that. But uh, at some point, something bad's going to happen because somebody's body just isn't ready to do that. And I think you're seeing it. I mean, every week, you know, these Thursday night games, there's 10, 12 players for both teams that are out. Um, yeah, God might have been able to play on a Sunday yeah. or a Monday. Can't play on the three days, so they got to sit out the game. So you're missing a bunch of star players because you're on a short week. And if I'm an NFL yeah. owner, yeah, I, you know, I guess you know it is all about the money and stuff like that. But you know, there are times where that at some point that's going to cost an owner a game. It maybe cost mm-hmm. them a playoff, maybe cost them something else. And at some point, they have to look past that. That there has to be a way. That uh, and now they're talking. You know, they're going to have a, a Black Friday game this year. Mm-hmm. Now there's going to be a Friday afternoon game, which was always a, a no no mm-hmm. for you know they didn't because that's college football. College that's it's, a big it's high school football, football yeah, too. Right. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. want to step on high school on, on high school. They didn't want to step on college toes. That's why they wait mm-hmm. until the end of December to run Saturday games. I mean, I just I think Sundays and Mondays are good enough. I don't know why they have to do this. Yeah, I agree. So with that in mind, let's let's look at the games and make our picks for this week. Oh, Michael, you brought up a great point before we went on air. There's one game that features two teams that have above 500 record. Wow. Anybody, you want to take a guess? This week? This week. There's one game with one where game. both teams are above 500. There was only one last week. Yeah. That was Colts-Titans. That's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Col- Titans were 500. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Colts This were. one's even worse. Yeah. Giants and, and Bears? Close. Yeah. Giants and Seahawks. Ugh. Yeah, that's all we have this week. So six and one. Without a mind, I'd like to wake up and I'd like to wake up in the Denver, be the Denver owner, <laughs> and you've got no Russell Wilson. You're looking yep. up in Seattle, and Geno Smith. Smith yep. is leading them to first place in the division with he's all the really, He's playing really well. Yeah, I am on my fantasy team. thinking. I mean, he's he's and, helping me out a little bit. And also, I, I also thought of this too today. And I don't, I, I, I don't know what it is. is it, um, how does Philadelphia have New Orleans' first pick? So when when New Orleans was picking, they they wanted they took the tackle from Northern. 
Iowa, Trevor Penning. I don't know if that's the school, yes, right? Yep, that's and, right. And they wanted to trade up for Chris Olave. So to yep. do that, they gave up a future first. That's what it is. Um, so so and Philly wound up with A.J. Brown on top of it, which yeah. is like getting a first-round pick, right. and then they got one next year. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, they, have, so they have their – it's like they're the, they're, New Orleans is like the fourth overall pick right now. So Philly's got yeah. that in yes. their back pocket. Yep. Ain't that something. <laughs> that's, that's good management right there. And the Seahawks have four of the top 45 picks in the draft, two from Denver yep. and two of their own. For Russell right Wilson, now. yeah. Yep. And speaking wow. of that, just real quick, I was listening to one of the radio stations on the way out here, and I just just a real quick opinion. Chase Claypool, would you trade him to Tennessee for a second this year and a fourth next year? Would you do it? Without a doubt. Yes or no? Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you who yeah. wouldn't do it. Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. There's no way. I, he, he, He's average. Yeah, going yeah. into his uh, last game, the last game he had a touchdown against um, – at home Tampa. Tampa. against Tampa. Yeah. Going into that game, I think he had two touchdowns in his previous 20 games. I think he's more athlete, less receiver, and he had that strange rookie year where he had four touchdowns in a game, and that mm-hmm. kind of – I was like, wow, this guy's a revelation. But then I, there's just – he. I mean, he, all of a sudden he stopped being able to catch the, the 50-50 mm-hmm. combat balls, and I think he and Deontay both uh, disappear for quarters yeah, at a time. Do, yeah, they games. Do. Yeah, they're both average. So. Yeah. Always remember – Baltimore got a first round pick for Hollywood Brown, so there's a True. all it takes is yeah, one, no, and true. they're loving that right now because oh, he's out yeah. of the year. Oh, right. for yeah. yeah, no, I mean I would certainly do that in a heartbeat uh, if that if that was a possibility. You you because they're not going to resign him, right? His rookie contract's up after next year. There's no way they resign him uh, to a second contract. Um, Pickens is their guy. You already resigned Deontay. Mm-hmm. So I don't see any would you way. Wanna, would you be okay? Even taking, with all that salary cap room they're going to have, I, I still don't think they do that. Would you take away an alleged, I put in quotes, weapon like for, for your young quarterback? That's the only thing. Now you're down to, now you're down to Deontay. They, Deontay they need assets. And I think we yeah, talked about assets. this. They need to build this team, right? You want to see if Kenny's the guy. As you Scott said, said that earlier. It's yeah. poorly constructed roster. It is. It is. You need assets to years. rebuild this team. Now they're going to make the right way. picks. That, right. It's, it's an important So if they could trade away anybody, um, you got to look long and hard at it. I think there's, there's only a few guys a very, that are untouched. Yeah, it's a very short list of players that other teams would want. And I think you could sell somebody on Claypool's. If you just show him the back of his right. football card, look how big and, look how big <laughs> right. and strong and you know, fast he is. Yes. Don't yep. watch the bill. Yeah. <laughs> Don't watch yeah. him play receiver. Yeah. Just look at his size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just right. curious. I heard yeah. that way. Yeah, no, no. So let's look at – let's go do our picks. Let's start with the Steelers and the Eagles. I think – can we make it quick? We all pick the Eagles, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So that that's pretty What's easy. What's the line? I saw it at 10. 10, yeah. It's a 10. Mm-hmm. No cover. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go 10. Uh, we're, we're picking with with the uh, yeah. with the points. I yeah, I think it's a backdoor cover. We're down 17, 18 late. Maybe we go for mm-hmm. two, score a touchdown to cut it to ten or push or get it to yeah. nine. I don't, I don't think we're in it the whole way. Well, Tom, and they related. They <laughs> said that before. Right. It's like listening to Tommy. That's like, what I was just going to say. Though I would, I thought, I, I thought I had heard twelve. If I was in that range, I'd be a little more comfortable. Ten. Maybe ten and a half. I might look at maybe that. Yeah, like you said, a backdoor, something sneaky yeah. at the back end. Yeah. But yeah. All right, we're all taking all right. Philly. That's but Philly's easy. winning. So. All right, uh, Michael. Both Thursday night games. Speaking of Thursday night games, this week we have the Ravens and the Buccaneers at Tampa. Now that, that's Baltimore all all day long. Uh, their defense is playing better, and Tampa's offensive line is a complete mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, their interior line is just god awful right now. Now their defense is starting to do things that out of character because they're trying to make plays. They're out of position. That, that's what happened. Chuba Hubbard scored a touchdown last week. 
Uh, I, I don't know where Devin White was on that play, but he, he wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he broke 60 yards. So, yeah, I'm taking Baltimore. Well, I'm going to stick to my 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 pattern of what I think of Thursday night games mm-hmm. and the Scots point. I think it favors the home team dramatically. Yeah, Baltimore's home team. Right. I think no, the, Tampa is. Tampa. Tampa. Oh, Tampa. It's at Tampa, Tampa. yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's at least a mild cup, like a, a, a advantage. It's a, a toss-up game, which I think this is on, on mm-hmm. a normal day. Um, I think this favors Tampa Bay because of the Thursday night stuff. I think that plays effect into it. So I'll, I'll say Tampa. I'll go. I'll counter that uh, because I, the last last week I thought Brady's going to bounce back. He can't look bad twice in a row, and then uh, at Carolina he was he wasn't so great. But I guess I have to keep in mind one thing: he dropped a perfect pass into Mike Evans' hands that was dropped that would have been a touchdown. It so was. that would have changed the game. Um, but I think the two things I think about: the Tampa's having a hard time stopping the run, and if any team's going to come to town. Um, and you don't want to face them when you can't stop the run. I would guess that's a, a team whose quarterback is, is its best running back and, and a team that can run it a little bit. So I'll take the Ravens. You're taking the Ravens too, Scott. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Tampa on this one. Uh, I just – and I could be way off base here, but at some point that team's just got to get it right. I know their offensive line. We saw it here against the Steelers where the Steelers just – all the pressure up the middle um, against, you know, Hainsey and – Gadecki or whatever the hell Gadecki, however the hell you pronounce his and name, they still can't run the football, Mark. Yeah. They still cannot run the football. And you have Leonard they're Fournette. The same, I mean, they're, they're in the same ilk as the Steelers. They yeah. can't run the football. I, I think this could be the game they start to right the ship a little bit. They are at home. Um, I don't think Brady. You know, Brady's been going through a lot. We've we don't need to rehash all the personal stuff, but I for some reason I'm just my gut's telling me Tampa on this one. Well, he, he's friends with rich people to get married on Friday. The game's right. on Thursday, so he's so good. Distracted. That's a good point. Yeah, and also he'll make the he'll make the the, the uh, walk through tomorrow. And also an underlying thing, I like Todd Bowles against against Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. I think he will. I think he could scheme that yeah. up so that he takes away the run and makes him throw. And uh, that's not Lamar's strength. All right, next game. Uh, I, we were going to do Green Bay at Buffalo, but Green Bay stinks. I mean, this is not – before the season, you'd look at this and say this is a marquee matchup. Green Bay, that team is – you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers walking off the field saying, what are we doing? I love – Pretty watching, much sums up that team right now. I love watching Aaron Rodgers now because his expression <laughs> oh, on his face yeah. every time he throws a ball, whether it's his fault or not – is complete disgust. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen anybody look <laughs> almost so disinterested and so angry all the time. I could watch his face all day oh, yeah. long after every ball he throws. It, the guy's not in the right spot. The guy <laughs> drops the ball. It, 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 yeah, that, the Green Bay is a complete mess. They're a complete disaster right now. Buffalo's going to destroy them. I have to wonder. I, I thought I saw this at eight and a half or something like that. I wonder if this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' biggest dog game as a as a mm-hmm. as good a, point. Yeah, as a potential it under, might be underdog. yeah. Um, you know, because I, I see the points climbing as the week goes on. I think this could end up at 10, 10 and a half. Yeah, easily. So, and, and Buffalo, Buffalo's coming off a bye. Too, yes, right? they're yeah, off they're coming off a bye. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. I don't see uh, Buffalo's going to win it. You could talk. You, if, I'd, I'd take a look at the line at the very end of this and see what what it looks like. But Buffalo's going to win the game. Yeah, I think in one weekend, you know, crazy road upsets only happen so often. So. Justin Fields, they were scoring, what, 12 a game, mm-hmm. score 33 or something in New England. I guess this is the previous week. It's still the Monday night game. For six days later, if that to happen again where a team that's not scoring on offense, 
going into a place where they have a pretty good defense in Buffalo. I don't think it's happening again. So I think that's a it's a comfortable win for the Bills, and the Bills blow everyone out. I mean, they, they blow every. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they don't play any close games. No. You're not sitting no. there in the fourth quarter like, oh man. Yeah, pull I mean, this out. you're already turning good, on yeah, another game. Yeah. All right, and the game we talked about at the outset here: Giants at Seahawks. Who would have thought? Have, yes. <laughs> Six Same and one. Thing. Yeah. With with that Six, roster. Yeah. Um, Daniel Jones, you, you sent it. Yeah, I sent, sent it the, today. Daniel Jones has, has more yards rushing than Najee Harris. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. I, I never. Geno Smith is playing. Great He's playing football. out of his mind. He's playing. And yep. Whatever Pete Carroll does up there, it doesn't matter the mm-hmm. where the guy was drafted. He seems to get guys to play above mm-hmm. their actual talent yep. level. Um, you know, the running back goes down. Kenneth Walker comes in. That's the game of his life. Unbelievable. You know, he's playing well. They, you know, they trade Russell Wilson away. They get all these picks. Yeah. Then they get Noah Fant as a back, you know, as a part right. of the, the, the deal. Um, I like Seattle at home. It's hard to win up in Seattle. Yeah. Well, Kenneth Walker joins the many, the long list of running backs I've picked up and put into the Hall of Fame. So <laughs> on my fantasy football team, I mean, that list is starting with Priest Holmes back in the day. And I'm back. Yeah. You had him and Jamal yeah, Lewis. You guys, yeah. you guys literally wanted to quit playing yeah. fantasy football because yeah, I had Priest Holmes and you couldn't right. beat me because I had Priest Holmes. He could he have had, set his quarterbacks yeah. and he still would have won. He had 79 points every week. So, uh, But, yes, Kenneth Walker is uh, a proud uh, member of my team. And, uh, yeah, I, I Seattle is a tough place to play. The Giants, I mean, God bless them. I, I don't. Brian Dable, if he keeps this right. up, might be the coach of the sec of the century. Um, but the, the Seattle seems to got something going on up there. Geno Smith mm-hmm. is doing just enough to win games and things like that. I, I like Seattle in this game. Yeah. yeah, I like Seattle as well. I think it's tough for the Giants to win two straight road games, fly back from Jacksonville. They got, they got a little bit of luck there. I think in that game, some odd yeah. things happened. It wasn't a mm-hmm. wasn't a dominating victory. And I, I just thought of a historical composite for Geno Smith, a guy that kind of, you know, drafted, I guess, relatively high, kind of bounced around a little bit, was a backup for years, and just didn't do anything until his early to mid-30s. And my thought was, not the exact same style player, but same kind of success, and that's Rich Gannon when he went to went to the yeah. Raiders. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take the, the Seahawks and that enthusiasm that mm-hmm. Pete Carroll just sort of pushes yeah. out there. Yeah, clean sweep. I, I like the Seahawks as well. All right, so a lot of time in the NFL this week, and I think rightfully so. So let's transition over to, to Pitt. As I said, you know, this was a horrible weekend uh, for Pittsburgh football. And that we inc- say that a lot. We have yeah. this year. It's been a rough year. If you're Pittsburgh it's giving us plenty to talk about. It, oh, it's <laughs> easy to talk about. Pitt goes to Louisville. We all picked Louisville. Scott, last week we all picked Louisville. Not a surprise. Um, but when you sit there and watch it and you see how it happens, you just shake your head. I mean, how they couldn't – I mean – Pitt, two drives early on, two Keaton Slovis interceptions. Um, Narduzzi, as stubborn as he is, um, sticks with Slovis. Pitt loses the game. They just could get nothing going offensively. Uh, everyone is saying, you know, offensive coordinator at Pitt, offensive coordinator with Steelers, they both suck. I'm not going there with Signetti. I, I think he's done some decent things. Um, I think the Western Michigan game, they owe to him. He, he came up with a great game plan for a, a redshirt freshman quarterback in that game. Uh, I think this rests solely on one guy. One guy, I hate to say it, but you get decent quarterback play down in Louisville. They win that game. I think just from an outsider's perspective. Oh, no, by the way, everybody, Scott is stretching here a little bit. He's a Mountaineer. 
We won't make fun of them for that. We'll give them a pass, and we want to make them feel welcome. Scott, so, do, you, do you know how you get a West Virginia graduate off your front porch? No. Pay him for the pizza. <laughs> That's really good. I like that. I like that. That's good. I'll have to come up with a, with a comeback for next week. That's good. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, one yeah. quick like um, macro view of pit yeah. football that's changed in the last 12 months. They used to have an empty stadium. They don't have an empty stadium anymore. So that's a big deal. Um, another thing but that, how long would that yeah, that's, make that, being that's a case? That's the way. problem. Can't, yeah, that's, can't do that. Uh, but I do think Narduzzi's had a little run here of defensive players uh, drafted relatively high mid-rounds. Avante Maddox, there was the mm-hmm. edge guy. Jason Pinnock, yeah. Dane Jackson, DeMar yeah. Hamlin. I think the Vikings have two. They have Patrick the edge, Jones. Jones and yeah. Rashad Weaver. Yeah. And then they have the tackle who's phenomenal, yeah. Brian O'Neill. So – I think they're, they're, they're doing something there, and I, I don't think he can be blamed for bad decisions by Keaton Slovis. Yeah. But. But. <laughs> Tommy Hayes. Uh, <laughs> but, get ready. But, get ready. But old coach Blowhard there, who's <laughs> talked to him, who's beating his chest before the West Virginia game yep. started, he's married to Slovis. Yep. That was his guy. He brought him in, and Slovis was going to be the starter no matter what anybody else did. So that was his decision to bring in Slovis, so he owns Slovis. It's not necessarily his fault what Slovis does between the white lines, but that's the guy. He stepped right on Nick Patty, you know, who has been here, who paid his dues and should have been his turn to potentially get a shot. But he brought in this so-called hired gun that came in. Problem is he left his gun at USC. <laughs> and and he's, you know, and the yeah. guy, and, and, you know, we talked about this before we went on air. I don't know what happened to this guy. I mean, I texted Michael Dorn in Tennessee, the first half of the Tennessee game, and I told him how impressed I was with Slovis because he was getting crushed. He was getting hit. He was making plays. He was he was being a leader. And I thought, man, you know, we, he, he might have something here. Then he gets hit at the end of that half. He tapped out of the game. Did Could he have come back? Could he not have come back? There's, you know, all kinds of stories. But wherever that guy left, when he walked off the field at the end of that first half, he has not come back. This guy that I've seen watch play looks like a shell of that guy. Um, and looks like some of the some of the stuff that we heard whispered out at USC mm-hmm. that maybe he wasn't as tough, maybe he was gun shy, maybe all this kind of stuff has now shown up, and this is a this is just a disaster. I mean, you have you got the golden goose and Kenny Pickett, you got the golden year, you have all the momentum to come into this year. You had to get this right, and and this is on Narduzzi, and he got it wrong. Yeah, I think he overthought it. Uh, you know, it, listen, Slovis lost his job last year to a true freshman who is right. no longer even at USC because right. they brought in Caleb Williams mm-hmm. when, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley came there. So where'd that guy go? Can we get him? I, I, I don't know where he went. They probably Jackson were. Dart? He went to Mississippi. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah that's he went right. to Ole Miss. Yeah, he went yeah. to Ole Miss. So, you know, Slovis looks the part until – the game starts. He would be great. Like in a combine, he will show up well, Slovis. Flag football? Flag football. Yeah. Seven, I mean, yes. without a doubt, he throws a beautiful ball. I will never say otherwise. The problem with him, I think he's running still off a of packed of 12, whatever the hell they are these days, clock, where you had more time. In the ACC, you have three seconds, bro. Three seconds. And you got to be, and your internal clock needs to be going off. And he takes too long to make a decision. And when he's making decisions, they're the wrong one. That first interception, Daniel Carter's wide open in the flat. Ten-yard game. And he throws the ball down the field. I'm not necessarily getting – but when you have a guy wide open for ten yards, you take it. You don't throw into double coverage and then underthrow him. Um, listen, everybody knows that listens to this. I'm a Nick Patty guy. Um, and I think, Tommy, you said it, and I think you nailed it. If you want to run an RPO offense, Nick is your guy. Nick is athletic. He can run. He runs a 4-5, four, 4-6, four, four, 40. 
If you want to have any threat with the RPO, it's got to be Nick. And you may look at him. You, know, you said, you know, Keaton looks the part. Nick throws three quarters. You may look, oh, he's a goofy ball, whatever. Hey, let's not forget the fact. He came into that Tennessee game cold with Pitt behind, trailing. He tied the game up on one leg. So everybody that's listening, all these Pitt fans that are clamoring for Nate Yarnell, let's not forget that Nick Patty went into a very tough situation and tied the game up. And, I mean, they went into overtime. You say, does Mumfield run the wrong pattern? I think he did. Um, that last play, who knows, it could have been different. I think Nick is your guy moving forward. It, it, with the offense that he likes to run, with as beat up as Slovis is right now, as gun shy as he is, deer in the headlights as Slovis is. Plus, there's no doubt he's lost the locker room. There's no doubt at this point. Um, so we'll see. I heard from somebody outside the program today um, that it could be Nick on Saturday in North Carolina. Um, I hope that's the case, and I hope he gets first-team practice reps. Let's not, against Tennessee, we're, there's three in the country. Yeah, He had zero practice reps that week. He had five. Sorry, I don't want to get my facts wrong. He had five practice reps, and three of them were handoffs. Yeah, I, this season's going downhill. Oh. Yeah, who thought? Who would have thought they had th- three losses at this point in the season? Not at this point in the season. Uh, it was me, no. Yeah. Well, we, overall, well, we you said this season. We both picked them to be nine and three at the end of the year, so we had the three losses right. right. But I didn't know it would be, be this all year. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, so they got to run the table, and I'm not real confident. No, that's they, I mean, unless, and even that, I mean, it, the season's over. I mean, what are they? Even, I mean, they can't even win. I, can they win the coastal still? There's a possibility they'd have to run the table and some other stuff. Yeah. It's out of their control other, at this point they're, already. They're not even playing for that. Listen, Narduzzi's got all kinds of problems because after the season ends, there's going to be a mass exodus. Yeah. Like we talked well, earlier, Tommy was mentioning, yeah. we got a ton of six-year seniors, a ton of fifth-year seniors. You're going to see tran- – you already saw one transfer. Like Gavin Bartholomew, I guarantee he's leaving. Well, yeah, I mean, he was one of the best tight ends in the country. He's been targeted 24 times. Yeah. They, they, That's inexcusable. Yeah, when was the last time you saw And they a lost a recruit, by the way, this week. Yeah, you're wide receiver. Yeah. Dadrian Zipper, uh, three-star wide receiver, um, who, you know, he was one of the guys. Okay, this guy's he's a good athlete. He's gone. He gone. Well, I mean, he already announced on Twitter this week. Who's the quarterback coming in here next year? Kenny Minchie. Kenny Minchie. He ain't coming here. <laughs> I can tell you that right <laughs> now. Four-star quarterback. He gone. Yeah. Yeah. A late 11 kid. I mean, yeah, real he, good quarterback. But I mean, I mean, look at Bradley. He transfers a week after. What, he, he kind of touched on yeah. in the Georgia Tech game. There's, and listen, then he transfers a week listen, later. People What's that think tell I'm you crazy. About the program? I go to the Panther Lair. I go to the Pitt family, uh, Pitt Facebook family for life. I, I put some things out there. They think I'm crazy. Look, the locker room's off. It's it's a weird environment right now. This, this season is quickly unraveling, and he's got to do something to get the locker room back. Um, to salvage what and, and because you're the recruiting class is going to fall apart, you're going to see transfers, and we're going to take five steps back. Scott, well, you were saying it's in a good place, yeah, that could quickly it, unravel it, over in the course of this year. It's teetering right now, it is. it's teetering for pit fans. The point with Michael, you know, what Michael just said is, you know, we talked about this. There's a lot of guys whose pit career ends this year, yeah. A lot of those guys grew up with Nick Patty in the locker yeah. room, mm-hmm. and they brought this hired gun in from USC. To be the quarterback and lead this team, and their final chance to make a market pit—that's fine. But the big talker head coach better be right, and he ain't. And he got not, this he wrong. He did. This guy was not the right guy. So now you've got a lot of guys that are ending their pit careers with a guy that's not their guy, who they didn't grow up with in this program, that's leading them right down the toilet. Of course, you're going to have right. a bad locker room. You're going to have right. a bad everything. Well, let's get into this week's game. Yeah. So going North, to North, North Carolina. Carolina Chapel Hill. 
So a team that struggles to score points. It historically has owned Pitt. Yes. Yeah, except last year, except, obviously, right. here in the rain. Right. Um, everybody was thought all, this was yeah. going to be a down year for North Carolina, right? Mac Bryan, he's old, he can't right. recruit. He's got a quarterback named Drake May, who's the brother of Luke May, right. who used to play power mm-hmm. forward at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So Slovis has played in six games. Mm-hmm. Not He didn't finish all six. Right. He's filled five mm-hmm. and a half games. He has five touchdown passes. Drake May has 24 touchdowns and three interceptions and 2,500 yards passing. And he's leading them in rushing, almost has 400 right. yards, which is probably skewed from the sacks. So it's probably more like 600 yards. Uh, Pitt will score 24 points. They, I mean, because North Carolina gives up. Don't 30. run the ball. Yeah, they'll be able to North run the North Carolina ball. gives up 32, 33 points a game. They, they don't even care about playing defense because they know they're going to score 40. And they're probably going to mm-hmm. score 40. They're going to win by two touchdowns. Izzy better rest up. He better be start taking some naps, get a good night's sleep. And you know. Izzy had a good game mm-hmm. last week, right? Yeah. But for Pitt to win, he has to be amazing. Amazing. Like, yeah. Every game. Yeah. 200 plus yeah. yards. Or, he, yeah. or they, they have no chance. Right. Well, you know, this is one of those games where they should every, from the first play, they should be snapping with one second on the play clock just to try to limit how much time North Carolina can score points on. Yeah. I don't. I don't see any way that Pitt and their defense wins this game down there. I mean, unless Nick rides in at, at right. some point in this game and and, and can pull this we'll out. see a Clemson scenario, right. I don't yeah. see it. I don't see it. I don't see how they can win. So I'm not a close follower of Pitt football, so I'm not going to add a, a ton of insight. But I think that just as the season goes, you have to have one win that can maybe get you back on track. Maybe that's what North Carolina is. Because – a lot of these kids want to play. There's sort of like there's like two tiers when you're, you're you're not playing at Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson. There's two tiers. You don't want to play in that bowl game. That's the the six and sixteen versus the seven and sixteen. Mm-hmm. You want to play in sort of a, you want to play against a good maybe Pac-12 team or a good Big 12 team in a decent bowl. And so you, you kind of have to sell that if you're if you're Narduzzi. That's what your kind of your pitch is, and you got to try to get your season back on track with a win. Maybe you weren't expected to have. No, I think. <laughs> Tommy, great point. Unless Nick, you know, I think look at what happened to Clemson last week. Dabo Paul, DJ put in the freshman Kate Klubnik, leads them to a victory over Syracuse. So, by the way, that's coming in two weeks against Pitt. Um, Let me be the first to say, if yeah. that quarterback, that what's his name, Kate Klubnik, if that if that pain in the ass sticks around for three years, I'm gonna I'm gonna want to fight him by the end. You <laughs> see his antics and all the stuff he's doing and. The fist pumping and doing all. Uh, right. I gotta watch that for three years. <laughs> that program's but, already good enough. Now I need an right, annoying right, guy right. leading it. You right. know, doing all that stuff. Uh, but my man. point is, you know, he obviously sparked them, and um, I think Nick can provide the same thing. I don't know if it'll he'll lead them to victory, but I think he could provide that spark. Obviously, I think they his teammates won him out there. Uh, confidence is shot in Keaton. It has to be at this point. Um, so if Nick plays. I think it's going to be a closer game. Uh, if he doesn't, I think Pitt, I agree with Michael. I think they get blown out by at least two touchdowns. So, with that having been said, let's move to the Penguins, who I was feeling a lot better about prior to last night's game, Tommy. Well, that's just who they are. <laughs> you know, you'd like to say, oh, those young, you know, those silly Penguins, right, right. they just like to get into these shootout games with other teams, but they're the oldest team in the league. I they mean, should know better. I mean, they, come they on. They really should know better. And – if this was the end of March, beginning of April, I probably would get more worked up about this than I am. But like we talked about last week, man, we're, we're six months from the playoffs. You know, it's hard to get to uh, anything. I mean, right. the most frustrating part about this is that Gensel's hurt already. Right. 
And uh, he's one of the quote-unquote young guys that's already dinged up and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was disappointing. It shows you that's what we used to look like, the, the Penguins, with how fast and young and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they, they, they just – I don't know. I mean, all you need to know about this team is the first power play unit that has all the talent is so unpredictable and can't be coached that they have to have two defensemen out there because they can't be trusted to not give up shorthanded goals. But when the second power play comes on, the other guys, there's one defenseman because those guys play the role and do what they're supposed to do. And what else can you say about these guys at this point? I mean, they are what they are. Well, we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, and that's – it's October hockey. Right, yeah. These guys are are not, you know, Sullivan can turn red. I love watching him on the bench. He's red face. <laughs> look like he's about to go out and black out at any point. But uh, you know, it is what it is. They got caught. They got caught last night. They got a little cocky, and then it's one of those things where you get smacked a little bit. You go, oh, oh, you know, you want to try to smack back, but you're smacking a guy that's right. a foot and a half bigger than you. Right. And uh, I mean, they just can't play that open style of hockey anymore. So. I can't think of another Pittsburgh sports team or just national sports team in recent memory or going way back that won a bunch of titles or a couple of titles and then kept their core together and still had success and just kind of, you know, you know, you get close in a first round series, you don't get to the second round, but you're still having success. They're not, you know, they're not missing the playoffs. They're not getting blown out in the playoffs. So it's hard to really say, okay, they're terrible. You can't say that. They're still good. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of this long, you know, prolonged thing. Maybe, maybe at the end of this year, they make that one move where they say, okay, what one, you know, what, in one April, we're going to have to make a move, trade for maybe a real physical winger, but give up someone you don't want to give up and make that little push. Cause you, it, you know, these players are, are going to get tired of just playing one playoff round. No, and to your point, what's crazy about it is if they all play out their contracts by the time they're done with this, these three guys, Malcolm Crosby and Latang, probably be dead. If you were, if <laughs> yeah. you had a, yeah. if you had a baby, and it, on the, and it was their baby was born the first night that they played together. By the time they're done, that baby will now be able to legally drink. Wow, that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, I and, don't think that's good. <laughs> well, well, we're gonna find out. Well, I mean, but, I don't think, so, but who knows? We'll see. Well, to your point, in hockey terms, at least, you know, the Kings had a run, mm-hmm. and they kept their guy, and some of their guys are still sure. around. And they fell off. I mean, they fell off a cliff. The Blackhawks, they had their guys, had, they had a run. Some of their core guys are still around. They fell off a cliff. The Penguins haven't fallen oh, off that cliff yet. No. I mean, with a little luck and a little health these last few years, they could potentially make a run. Um, that luck is going to run out sooner mm-hmm. or later. I keep thinking it's going to be next year. And then, you know, for some reason it keeps getting pushed. But we all know you don't get right. better with age. You just don't. don't. No, not when you're – we saw it last night, yeah. right? When you're playing against younger, faster teams – you just can't keep up, and that's what we see with them. They have to play a smarter style. You got to play dump. You got to dump and bang. And they just they don't like to play that style unless they absolutely have to in the playoffs. They want to run and gun. They still think they have it, and they don't. I mean, they just don't have the legs they used to have. Not when your average age is thirty. What thirty point four? I think is what it is this wow. year for the Penguins. Yep. Um, you're not going to be able to keep up with that, the younger, faster team, I mean, especially Connor. McD- I mean, that dude, he's ridiculous. Absolutely but ridiculous. One healthy, yeah. With their with their with their twelve forwards and the sixth defenseman they have. To me, they're a better team right now than they were at the end of last year. So, yeah. it's all about health. And it's I know listeners that's not exciting, 
that's not, you know, we're going to trade for this guy, we're going to sign this guy, that's not anything exciting. But the reality of it is, if these 12 forwards and these six defensemen, and most importantly, if, the if. gosh darn goalie is healthy, when it goes into game one of the playoffs, then I think they so, have a chance to do well and make a run. If they're not, if they're missing any one of the top nine, top four defensemen, or the top goalie, forget it. And that's just where so they So to that live. point, let's transition right into fact or fiction. Scott, you're new to us. Fact or fiction. I mean, make a statement. You say it, fact or fiction. And why? So let's, to your point, fact or fiction. The Pens will play with their top 12. That includes Bluger, right? Paling's in there now. We obviously know he's once Bluger's healthy, whenever that is, he's going to get inserted fourth-line center. So the Pens will play with their top 12 for more than 20 games this year. Fact or fiction? Will you go first? Sure. Fiction, because I've read this. I've seen his book. I've read, yeah. the, I've read <laughs> the book. I've seen the movie. It's just not how it works, especially right. in hockey. I mean, every game, I find myself – there's especially when you're not at the game. I see a guy block a shot and he disappears from me. You're like, oh, right. Christ, where'd he go? <laughs> you know, you're waiting for the next shift to come out. Zucker last night, yep, hurt, got yep. hurt. You know, and an instant play, just a guy leaned on him with a stick and he was hobbling off the ice. And he came back, but now it's just this cancels out now. This team's too old and yep. it's going to have too many bumps and bruises. So yep. I, I say fiction on that. Okay. I say fiction too. Not only are they old, but the game's so physical and they play so many games. I, I, at their age, I, I don't think they play more than 20, all of them together, together yeah. more than 20 games. No, I think that's fiction. Fiction, and it's for me because they don't have that team that is dishing out the hits that has the bangers as forwards, the, the defensemen that are bangers. They're the ones that are faster, a little smaller, trying to skate around people. I'm not faster anymore, but it's as fast as they you know they can be at their age. Yeah, and so they're gonna they're gonna take those hits, and they're not gonna they're not gonna have the, those guys for more than 20 games. Next one, also hockey related. Did you answer that? Oh, it's fiction. There's no chance that their top 12 guys are gonna play together for more. No chance. We haven't seen it yet this year. So what what, what gives you any indication that that'll be the there's gonna be somebody. Constantly out. I mean, yeah. Zucker's going to miss some. I guarantee. And you. for the record, if you're playing at home, yes, you're saying Bluger. At, you so you put Bluger in and take Paling out. Exactly. So that's the twelve yep. that you're talking right. about. Exactly. So yes. Yeah. So to your point, Bluger's on long-term IR mm-hmm. for salary cap reasons, which right. is going to be another new trend for you hockey fans out there to watch. Long time, long-term IR basically takes your salary cap number yep. and puts it into freeze mode, so you free up that cap space. So that, is, that only happens in hockey. It doesn't happen right. in football. It doesn't happen anywhere else. So when Bluger went on the IR, his $2.2 million salary cap number comes out of the salary cap. So now a team that has no money has $2.2 million. That's how the first game without, uh, when Gensel missed, they played shorthanded. They played with mm-hmm. seven defensemen and 11 forwards. They put him on IR to allows him to bring up that salary, right. $2.2 And they million. brought up what, they pulling. Sam Poulin yeah. and uh, Drake. Drake. However, yeah, 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 right, yeah. But but you're seeing, I'm seeing that. I've seen, I think, eight teams already use that. Um, And there's another salary cap trick to that that I can't, I I still can't figure out. But it basically, the salary cap that you're not using, it's like you're putting it into a savings account for later on in the year. So every day that you're not using some of that stuff, you build up a little bit. So at the end of the year. You'll hear them say they have long-term salary cap relief and this number and that number, but you're seeing a lot of teams because uh, at 17 of the of 17 of the teams on opening night or, or as you're getting up to the deadline were over, and a lot of them used long-term injury. So what you're seeing is a guy like Bluger, 
He might have been out two weeks. So now they're putting him out. It's it's ten games or twenty eight days. Is something. it prorated? Yes. Like the, the, mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. can so, you can you can retroactive to, the beginning to of the a season. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, so Bluger is out for X amount of time now, but you're seeing teams utilize that. So if a guy's going to be out for two or three weeks, just they're putting them on that. It frees up, gives them some salary cap room to be able to make some moves. And then a guy, you know, comes back because Bluger's playing. Bluger, yeah. uh, Bluger practiced yesterday in, in a full contact jersey. So I mean, he right. could conceivably play later this week, but they needed to do this or else play shorthanded. Right. All right. So the next factor fiction, Tom, you have some stats for us regarding Sid. This is a good one. Fact or fiction? Let's give Sid, credit. Yeah, let's give credit direct, to your, yeah, your godson. Long time listener, Listen, Sean. Yep. Uh, um, Sid Crosby will finish in the top five in points when he ends his career. And Tommy has some what we need to know in order for Sid to get there. So, uh, yeah, he sent this to me. At the time he sent it to me, Sid was tied for 19th, which was four. He had 1,414 points. I think he just got 1421 last night. So Ron Francis is fifth in scoring with 1,798 points. So for for him to get there, he would have to average, if he played another five seasons, Sid, he would have to average 76 points a year for the next five years, including this year. And right now through his career, he's averaged um, 83 points a year, 104 points every 82 games, because that doesn't take into injuries and stuff like that. So basically, 76 points for the next five years to get to that number. I'll Back start us off. Fiction. There's no chance. And we don't want it to be. Right? This is a team, and, and Sid's the same way. He's all about winning cups. You want to, you're playing for April and May. You're not playing, you know, you want to play 70 games so Sid can get points. As he gets older, they're going to sit him. And he's not, you already see it this year. We talked about it. You know, he's not playing as many minutes, which is fantastic. You don't want to play him 20 minutes a game. And so if he's only playing 15 or 16, his opportunities decrease. And that's only, you know, he's going to play less and less as, as time goes on. So I don't think there's any chance that he gets to the top five. I'll say fact for a couple of reasons. I think he's the most consistent. Just he's like, what's that thing? A metronome that just swings <laughs> right, yeah, back right, and right. forth. It just doesn't stop. I think that's who he is. And I think he'll play longer than we think because he's avoided major, major injuries. But I guess, you know, the, the, the crazy concussion could still happen. I think the NHL's probably trying to protect against that like the NFL is at a wild level on the rough of the passer penalties but uh, so I think I think he will he will hit that yeah I'm gonna say fact as well um, first off I think he's gonna have um, a great year this year I think he's gonna get well over 83 points this year assuming again you know you can never health, predict right. health. Um, but assuming he stays healthy this year and also to Scott's point he's not gonna play five more years he's gonna play at six would get him even with Latang as far as his contract goes, um, but I this is Sid is a, a lifer. I mm-hmm. mean, I think he's going to play until the, he literally can't play it anymore. So I think he's got more than five years still to go. Um, and if you start taking that number, if he plays if he plays six years, I think it goes down to like sixty seven points a year. If he plays seven years. You know, you start doing that math. He's got so he's going to become the Tom Brady of the NHL. The well, Gordy, another yeah, Gordy Howe. Go I don't know that his body will let him go that far, but because he's getting said a hell of a lot more. Well, Tom five Brady. years will put him at what forty one? No, five years, forty three. Forty three. No, no, no. no. He's thirty eight. Oh, well, no, wait a minute. No, how old? No, no wait. He was born in eighty seven. Thirty five. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Five years. Sorry. Thirty five. Yeah. Um. But uh, to, you know, to Scott's point, his Sid is 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 consistent, if nothing mm-hmm. else, and I think. He's going to be 
a point a game player when he's playing, however many games he is, he gets in the year. And uh, I think this year specifically and next year, the NHL starting to score more points again. Um, it was, you know, the leading score was under 100. Now the leading mm-hmm. score last year was in the 120s. So I think he's going to score enough points mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, I flipped on this. I mean, I, I thought he was 37, um, but if he's 35, 40, I, I think he can do it. I mean, it, like well, no Tom, one works harder to stay in shape and do what he no, has to I, do. I, that's I think for he sure. has a chance to do it, like Tom's favorite word, if, yeah. if he stays healthy. So we'll see. If he does, he should surpass that easily. All right, let's transition. We haven't talked any baseball. we got to at least mention the World Series. It starts later this week. Um, Fact or fiction, Astros will sweep the Phillies. Their pitching is unbelievable. This pitching staff for the Astros, woo! Yeah, uh, I say fiction only because the Phillies lineup is a hell of a lot better than the Yankees lineup. I mean, you know, I always say be careful what you wish for. The Yankees, Tommy loves to use – I like it. (laughs) The fantasy baseball team, Josh Donaldson won an MVP, but that was seven years ago. You know, Anthony Rizzo was a great first baseman. He was. He was. (laughs) He he was. Giancarlo – or Stanton was a great outfielder. Now he stinks. (laughs) Um, And then you just put Aaron Judge and you don't pitch to him. And the recipe was – the Phillies have a very balanced lineup. Um, and not just Bryce Harper, but you got uh, Rio Milto, mm-hmm. uh, you got uh, Alex Reese, Bone, ha- yeah, Reese. Reese Hoskins. I'm a huge um, Reese fan. Castellanos, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and they're Bar- getting contributions from all these guys, Bryce more important. Bryce has really yep. come into his own as a, as a rookie. The problem is, is like you said, Houston's pitching staff is <sighs> really, really tough. I mean, you know, they're, I mean, if they, you had to pitch five pitchers, Lance McCullers would be their five-star. That's crazy. Um, so, and he finished, what, be, third in the Cygum yeah, two years two ago? Years, yeah. And this year you got Verlander and uh, Framber Valdez. And Valdez, they're going to finish 1-2 in, in the Cy Young awesome. Award. So, I mean, I know you got Wheeler and Nola, but what do you have after that? Ranger Suarez, I'm not sold on that. I, I think I think it's fiction. I, I think the uh, Astros win in six. As much as I hate to give Philadelphia credit for anything, I was in Philadelphia this past weekend at a beer, at a beer convention, and uh, – it was really cool to be in a lobby Saturday night watching baseball mm-hmm. and everybody just being crazy over it and how much, you know, in our lifetimes, we've really only had what two, two, two sets of three, yep. you know, two yep. sets of three Threes, years to yeah. be able to enjoy it in our whole lifetimes. Uh, we were too young for the 78, right. 79 World Series, to, or 79 World Series to remember it, but it was just cool being back in a, in bait, you know, sitting at a bar, everybody hanging on a pitch and right. stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. It seems like Philadelphia's got something going on. I, I don't know with the break, you know, you lose some of that mojo and things like that. But uh, there's no chance. I don't think there's any chance they sweep them. I don't. I, I still think Houston's a better team, and Houston will win the series. But I think Philadelphia will go down fighting as much as I hate to give Philadelphia credit for anything. I'm going to root for an Astros sweep for this one uh, fact. Uh, historically, every year that the Philadelphia Phillies win a World Series, there's a huge U.S. economic crisis collapse and that's that's been <laughs> okay. measured that's awesome yeah, yeah i never thought of it that way but okay yeah. i'll try to find it and uh, bring it into kind of further detail yeah, so yeah. for that fact alone it's really hard to root for an astros team that's kind of like the baseball version of the right. patriots where you don't know what's going on with the you know spider tack and the signals and the drum and all that but i i guess if they're if they're winning honestly i'm rooting for the the astros yeah i'm going to so, say fact it's for a simple fact that i there that's one of the simple facts. Fact, fact. Um, their pitching staff, best pitching always wins. Without a doubt, it's Houston. Uh, I've always been a Phillies fan. 
since growing up, Mike, Mike Schmidt was my favorite player. Bake McBride, Gary Maddox, Pete Rose, I could go on and on. Ed Luzinski, um, love the Phillies, but they don't have a shot in this series. Um, and I'm going to say sweep because of the pitching. I'm going to say the Astros do sweep them. Uh, so I'm going to say fact. And now, from what Scott said, I want the Phillies out as quickly as possible. Out of there. I mean, Tommy, you and I, well, you're recession proof, so you do whatever. It doesn't matter to you. <laughs> Actually, the recession helps him because yeah, everybody's yeah, exactly. broke. They're just exactly. going to keep drinking. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, let's get rid of the Phillies as quickly as possible. So Astros in a sweet fact. All right, let's close it up. Scott, we always close with closing comments or rants or anything along those lines. Who wants to kick us off this week? Anybody? We're all looking at each other. Go ahead, yeah, Scott. All right. off. New guy. Right, new guy's going to, yeah. I, I think Kenny Pickett, what we're all looking to see is does he have it or does he not have it? And I think the one thing we can definitively say, there are certain quarterbacks you watch play a little bit and you, you say – he doesn't have it. He could be an average starter. He could be a low-end starter. And you say that right off the bat. I think Kenny brings something very unique to the table that I think we're missing recently with some of these young quarterbacks. Trey Lance, Jordan Love, Zach Wilson, uh, all, all these first, second-year quarterbacks, even Mac Jones. He's got a little fire. He's got a little more energy and a real confidence, a real competitiveness. And so I think that's one of those things you don't see on tape. You, you see when you interview them pre-draft and, you know, these teams figure that out. So my closing statement would be I think the Steelers already know that they have their guy. Well, okay. Michael. Yeah, I mean, this has been a good month for me because, you know, I'm a Pirate fan. And, you know, to see the Dodgers lose and the Yankees lose – you know, just because you spend money doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. And we talked about who's the big free agent, Aaron Judge, Judge right? Yeah. Well, Dodgers might get him. Still doesn't guarantee they're going to win the World Series. So when you're watching baseball, don't – I mean, I know the Pirates are on the low end of that spectrum, right, and, you know, where we don't spend any money. But you can still be a team like the Indians or the or Rays. And even the Astros, they spend some money. But they're, they're frugal the way they spend it. So you don't have to go out and spend lavishly to win a World Series. So you're going to see that in this World Series with the Phillies and the Astros. These teams aren't overspenders. They spend their money. Obviously, Bryce Harper mm-hmm. makes a ton of money. Verlander makes a lot of money. But they don't overspend to win, and you don't need to overspend to win. Um, honestly, I don't really have anything yeah. this week. I mean, okay. I, I mean, I got nothing to complain about or be excited about. Everybody's. <laughs> You know, you, you know. I, that's. I was saying the same thing to Michael earlier. Before yeah, I'm like, nothing has there. really moved me. I mean, I could go on about Narduzzi, but no. I don't want to beat that dead horse. I mean, Please, I don't want to hear after his press conference Monday, I could go on and on, but there's no reason to. Um, I, I think everyone is seeing him for what he is. Um, he's, uh, you know, a very average power five head coach. I mean, that's who he is. Um, he, he's just. If not, he lost just, his job today, is there another? Power five school that would hire him? No, he'd end up at his alma mater. He'd end up at Rhode he'll, Island. He'll, I'll tell you exactly yeah. where he's going to land. He'll land at Feetner Island, and that's where Randy Feetner lives. That's where Matt Canada is looking for property now. <laughs> that's where uh, one Frank Signetti gets fired from here. That's where he'll go. Pat Narduzzi already has property on that island. He'll be there. Where all these well, that's guys Rhode that Feetner Island, Rhode Island. Yeah, there that's go. where all yeah. these. Yeah, yeah. pain in the ass coaches that have been in Pittsburgh for these last few years that we had to deal with. Uh, also, John Russell, he's got a property there. 
Uh, Derek he went Shelton. to John Russell. Derek wow. Shelton's going there. He'll be there. All these people that have, have annoyed us. John Russell. Pittsburgh. John Russell never annoyed me. He mumbled. Well, he annoyed me because he did that. Yeah. He, never he, was, he was like Charlie Brown's he teacher. He didn't care. Yeah. yeah. The number one realtor of that island is Todd Haley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these coaches that have annoyed us and just yeah. they, they were here and they never heard from them again. Yeah. Yeah. Where did they go? Right. So that's where they all live. Feet like Island. Island. I'm going to end with that. I like that. All right. Hey, Scott, it was great having you Scott, this thanks week. thanks for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. A lot of great insight. Welcome Appreciate you coming. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that does it for episode 35. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We want to hear your comments, your feedback. Keep it coming. Uh, but until next week, this is ABC on Pittsburgh Sports signing off. Take care, everybody.